You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your hosts, Vanessa Weisbrod and Emily Friedner. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. I want to start out by saying thank you to the Walter and Jean Boak Global Autoimmune Institute for their ongoing support and partnership to make this podcast possible. Today, we're talking to a very special guest, Rosemarie Satherly from London. I first met Rosemarie at the International Celiac Disease Symposium in Prague in 2015, where she gave a fascinating presentation on eating disorders and disordered eating in patients with celiac disease. I had never really thought about how being diagnosed with celiac disease could lead to someone developing an eating disorder, or on the flip side of somebody with an eating disorder being incorrectly diagnosed with it when in fact they had celiac disease. The data that Rosemary presented was just so eye-opening, and I've been so excited to have her share her data and her research and her progress in this field with all of our listeners, so I'm very excited to have her with us today. Rosemary was able to sit down with my co-host, Ellen, so I'm going to toss it over to Ellen and Rosie now. Dr. Satherly, thank you so much for joining us today. That's okay. Thanks for having me. So what does the term disordered eating mean? So disordered eating, it sits somewhere between healthy eating and a clinical eating disorder. So at your clinical eating disorder end, you've got things like anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating disorder. And at healthy eating, you've got someone who can eat three meals a day. They can eat quite flexibly. They're not thinking about food too much. Then we've got this kind of gray area in the middle that's disordered eating. And that can include things like emotional eating, skipping meals, um, eating too much in certain circumstances, or just being really, really preoccupied with food. So it's really important to sort of intervene when disordered eating happens, because it's very likely that someone with disordered eating will go on to develop an eating disorder. Interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about these different types of disordered eating? So you mentioned emotional eating, skipping meals, overeating, or being preoccupied with food. And it's kind of that last one one that caught my attention. What can you tell me? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so preoccupation with food is something where you might be, I don't know, out and about in the day and all you can think about is food. What's the calorie content of this food? What's the sugar content? What's the fat content? Where can I find a safe food to eat? Where am I going to eat next? What's my next meal going to be? It's sort of food controls your thoughts. Um, Whereas for someone with a healthy eating pattern, you might be getting hungry, it's coming to lunchtime, you think, right, where's my food coming from? You might be aware of the fat and sugar content of food, but it won't dictate and dominate your behaviors. So is it this type of disordered eating that tends to be more prevalent in celiac disease or all types? So my, the research we've been doing suggests that actually all types of disordered eating are more common in celiac disease. So in particular, this includes anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, and this kind of preoccupation with food. Although... You kind of expect that people with celiac disease do have to be aware of what they're going to eat and they do have to be vigilant. So it's quite hard to define actually whether that's disordered because there's a healthy level of vigilance and then there's this sort of unhealthy level 
that we would call disordered in celiac disease. Has your research revealed like what may be at the root of this connection? Is it celiac disease that may cause disordered eating or something else? So the disordered eating literature in celiac disease, it's not well developed yet. It's not well understood. So you can sometimes have disordered eating because of your celiac disease, or you might have disordered eating before your celiac disease, and celiac disease might make it worse. Um, what we have found is that there are some specific things in celiac disease that might make it worse. So these include things like managing the gluten-free diet, so having to have that strict management, having to watch things all the time, and the symptoms people experience before diagnosis. So some people who experience really, really severe gastrointestinal symptoms, maybe nausea and vomiting, they can be more, more at risk for disordered eating because they either get more fearful of food and therefore don't like to eat outside the home, like to check everything, will only eat in certain safe environments. Whereas there's this other group of people who have not often asymptomatic, they don't have that many symptoms, they don't really like following their gluten-free diet, it's quite hard, and they don't like the weight gain associated with their um, gluten-free diet, which is actually healthy weight gain, so they may actually consume gluten to trigger nausea and vomiting and weight loss. So there are different types of disordered eating in celiac disease. Are there times when a patient who presents with an eating disorder, should they be screened for celiac disease? So the evidence does suggest that some people with eating disorders may also have celiac disease, but we don't know enough information on this yet to recommend screening. We're not at that, at that level of research yet. So it's just the really beginning this stages. Is very much the beginning. Three, four years ago, we were starting with single case studies of disordered eating in celiac. And the last four years, we're really starting to develop it and realise it's actually bigger than a couple of people. I mean, the prevalence is looking at 15 to 20% of people with celiac might have disordered eating. That is quite a percentage. 15 yeah. to 20% of people with celiac disease may have an issue with disordered eating. Yeah, and you, if you compare that to people who don't have celiac disease or don't have any other long-term condition, you're looking at 2 to 3% in those groups. So there is an increased risk. So, yeah. That is quite something to think about. Is there anything that healthcare providers can do to help their patients if they have patients who have celiac disease? What can they do to help them not develop disordered eating? So although we're in the very beginning stages yet, what we have heard from interviews with people who have celiac disease and who have developed disordered eating is a lot of them would like more support at diagnosis. A lot of them have talked about weight gain at diagnosis. So we expect people to gain weight because we know that's healthy. It's your intestine recovering. But a lot of people weren't aware that was going to happen. And they really wanted their dietitian to talk about that and to talk about, you know, you're going to gain weight and that is healthy. This is not a concern. And then a lot of people have spoken about the quality of gluten-free food. They, they want to be aware how to eat a gluten-free lifestyle, but without, you know, without eating the fatty, high-sugar, high-calorie cakes that you see in the shops all the time. How do they eat gluten-free but healthy like anyone else would? What does research out there now, what is the hope for that in the future? What do you hope to be able to tell people? So in an ideal world, um, I would... So at the moment, we know some relationships about disordered eating in adults with celiac disease. 
we don't, we're at the very beginning stages of being able to screen for this, but it's very, very early stages. So I'd love to develop that so we can find those people and really provide them some support and some interventions. And actually, this has all been done in adults. We really want to look at how this is happening in children and particularly adolescents, because we know adolescence is a difficult time for disordered eating and eating disorders. So we really need to expand into that age group as well. Is there anything that parents can do for children who have celiac disease to help them avoid these problems? So at this moment, there are no specific guidelines relating to celiac disease and disordered eating for parents of children. So what I'd recommend is following the guidelines that we'd recommend to any parent of any child. So that's, you know, modeling a positive body image, modeling healthy eating patterns, trying not to have a very black and white view of food. Food isn't good or bad. You know, everything in moderation, as you hear all of the time. But in terms of celiac disease, I would also recommend that children get involved in the food-making process. They learn what gluten-free food is. They learn about the gluten-free diet and how important it is to maintain, and of course, visit their healthcare professionals regularly to get those checkups. Are there resources you can recommend to parents for the things you just mentioned? So at the moment, there is very limited resource for disordered eating and celiac disease specifically. The um, National Eating Disorder Helplines are great, not just for people who have eating disorders, but for parents who are concerned as well. But specifically for celiac disease, there is nothing out there at the moment. But these other um, resources may help educate parents about presenting a positive body image and the other things that you mentioned. Yeah, so you can get all sorts of YouTube videos. The eating disorder charities all have YouTube videos on how to how to uh, model a healthy lifestyle, a healthy body image. It's often things like, um, you know, if the parent's on a diet, don't force that diet upon your child. It's all about eating healthily, as any dietitian would tell you. That's very helpful. Is there anything else, Dr. Satherly, that you'd like our listeners to know? I think the term eating disorders and disordered eating is very, very scary. And I think it's really important to note that disordered eating, not everyone with celiac disease will have disordered eating. It is a small group of that population. Um, So actually, if you have a concern, speak to your healthcare professional. But most people can live celiac disease, live with celiac disease perfectly well. They can eat perfectly well. Well, thank you so much for sharing this wonderful information with us today. We, I appreciate it. We all appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie, so much for that wonderful, wonderful information. Um, this is such an important field, and I really do hope that you're able to continue your research both into adults with disordered eating issues and looking at children um, who could have absolutely the same problems. So thank you again so much for all the work that you're doing, and I can't wait to see where your research takes us. And I want to say thank you to all of our listeners out there for tuning in today, and we'll talk with you again soon. 